0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Full Circle Podcast today. I'm joined again by Sam. Sam has been on the recent podcast on episode two, if you remember. Um, so yeah, welcome Sam. Thanks for
1: having me again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again. Yeah, we'll see how many I keep popping up on.
0: So how are you doing today, Sam? Uh, yeah, you good?
1: I'm good. I'm good. I'm a bit tired. Not sure why. Bit tired. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: bit um,
1: Yeah. It's, yeah, nice to have the weekends to relax, chill out. Um, yeah, back in work tomorrow but I'm already thinking about work to be honest so um yeah maybe not a healthy thing to do but yeah there you go
0: do you think you've disconnected from work over the weekend or has it just been a constant flow of no
1: it's not it's I've definitely disconnected like I can relax and I can unplug um but you know Hmm. like when you're um invested in your the work that you do it's kind of like you want to keep working on it. it, I find it weird as well, like, from uni, because, you know, in uni, we were working, like, seven days a week. So sometimes it can be a bit weird to, you know, to, like, turn off at, like, oh, it's half past five, it's time to turn off now. Like, (laughs) yeah, that can be a bit odd coming from uni, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't think we ever really, really did that, did we? Where we had that disconnect and that break. Um, I remember in the last episode, I was talking to Connor about, sort of, rest and relaxation, So how do you actually disconnect from your work now?
1: Gosh, um, well, well, pre-lockdown, you know, when people could like be close to each other. uh, I, you know, I'd go climbing and stuff. I kind of started climbing in second year um, because, yeah, I always I didn't really do any sports at the time. Like I tried going to the gym. I just it just never Hmm. worked for me. You know, I played rugby at school for a bit um and then yeah like I started climbing I loved climbing um <laughs> yeah I loved climbing and you know it, it just wipes you out completely the day after and then yeah I, I kind of got into that so that was quite nice to have something um which I could do after uni like if I'd had like a stressful day or I just got like fed up on my project I could just go climbing and like not think about anything mm. um can't really do that now <laughs> that we can't uh go in there, everything's <laughs> closed Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, I think scheduling me time is quite important.
0: Was that at the climbing hangar? Yeah.
1: So a place in the climbing hangar uh, called the climbing hangar, um, in Liverpool, um, which is just amazing. Um, and they have one in London as well. So, uh, yeah, as soon as like it opens up, I'm going to go check it out. Just, I mean, it'll be so Uneconomical. I love to get a forty-minute train to Waterloo to get like another twenty-minute tube to go there. But you know, you got you got to be dedicated to your to the cause.
0: Yeah, you got to yeah, do what really, you love, don't you? Yeah. Have you been to the new Matchworks one? I think they've opened one in Matchworks, uh, yeah,
1: haven't yeah. they? Yeah. So um, yeah, I I feel like climbing is becoming a bit of a thing now. You know, I feel like everyone's kind of mm. jumping on the bandwagon. It's kind of like. Um, do you remember when no one drank gin and then suddenly everyone started drinking gin? Oh yeah. I was drinking gin before everyone else started drinking gin. <laughs> so like when the people started drinking gin, I was just like, go. I'm not happy with this. <laughs> and then I feel like that kinda of happened with climbing. Like, you know, I was introduced to climbing, started to enjoy it, and then suddenly everyone started climbing and I was like, Well, this just isn't fun anymore.
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: I don't know, maybe it's just me.
0: Yeah. Well it was like when I, I remember when I was started going with you and mm-hmm. Emily. Like those ones in the blue moon sessions and the Difference from say when I first started to when we ended before COVID, that was a massive amount of increase in people going to the actual climbing centres yeah. itself.
1: Yeah, I feel like it attracts a certain um demographic as well. Like I uh, like tutors. I think we had quite a few of our tutors go climbing, and I remember just being mm. climbing and then just bumping into the head of architecture. He was just sitting in the cafe. Like it, it, it's just yeah, a lot of artists, lots of musicians <laughs> go. I don't know, maybe it attracts a lot of uh, creatives yeah
0: yeah I bet he was sitting there thinking oh my god i thought i've <laughs> got away from him today but it he just shows up, up in his He's a cafe nice guy,
1: so uh yeah no always good to see people like that yeah what about you do you
0: do you do you miss uni
1: do i miss uni uh i guess so yeah well i don't miss it but i look f- i'm looking forward to going back um
2: mm.
1: i don't know i think it is just something um I suppose you're kind of free. I quite like, there's a lot of liberty involved with university. You can kind of come and go as you please and you can spend a lot of time thinking and you can direct your interest mm. in, in lots of different ways. You can be quite hands-on and, and make stuff or you can attend lectures and learn in a very like academic setting. Um, and I, I guess I kind of miss that, you know, doing stuff, I guess, mm. um, and having a larger amount of time to do stuff. Um, so, yeah, I I am definitely looking forward going back to uni I think um yeah I had such a great experience in my first three years so uh of course I'd want to go back and do two more years and I can see why people do doctorates and and yeah, yeah and yeah, absolutely yeah I think it, it just as a place to explore um, your ideas and other people's ideas and test things out yeah it, it it's really especially in architecture just yeah so I am I'm looking forward to going back and I do kind of miss it a little bit but yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In terms of in terms of sort of my R and R, I think I miss the most is probably jiu jitsu, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that was such a good sort of stress release. When you've been in the library, um you know, smashing work, and then you know you'd go to the session, you just get beasted on the mats, and then you'd have this sort of you know like physical release of just stress and everything. It was a really good stress breaker. The only downside to it was um, when we had like the competitions coming up and everything that I wanted to compete in, it was like you've got to be on every session, every, every mat sort of thing, going to every single training that you could. But then obviously that affects your deadlines because you're obviously missing. If it's a two-hour session, you're going to be missing two hours in the studio for every yeah. time you want to go. And you've got to sort of prepare to go to jiu-jitsu yeah. and whatnot. But no, I definitely missed that. And that was great for social events too, you know. I think groups are a massive, massive importance of um, architecture in general because you can meet so many diverse people, like all doing different things within architecture who, you know, like I met quite a few just through jiu Just you mentioned it on the mats and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do a bit of this, bit of that. And you can instantly sort of connect with them just through different... Um, well, like we connected sort of through jujitsu, so it's weird. Yeah, but... yeah.
1: I know I know what you mean. Like, um, I suppose part of architecture and just being a designer and stuff is just meeting new people and meeting people with like different um, perspectives mm. on the world and come from different backgrounds and different interests because like ultimately it just, you know, expands your knowledge of, of the world, which is just an amazing thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, I think I definitely recommend to like students and stuff Whatever subject you do, of like having something else that you do, and just you know having a a, like another Mm. output where you can just not think about you know what you do in your nine to five and and chill out, I guess. But yeah, it's just that kind of refreshing cycle which everyone, I think everyone should have, whether you sketch or paint or you know throw people around on mats or (laughs) climb up walls, whatever.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You just got to find out what you're into, really, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And then. In some aspects, I mean, we we shouldn't really be saying, oh, you know, go out to the pub and get drunk and everything, but that's probably, that's another great aspect of architecture is the social side of it, isn't it? When you are talking to these people, making these connections, um, you know, you can just meet so many interesting people on in one night out for, like, say, the LES socials and the gin nights mm-hmm. and whatnot. All the people we met through them sort of events, you know, they might not be directly tied to the companies that were sponsoring the thing, but... You just make so many unique connections on a sort of daily basis just through doing these events, don't you?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, architects drink like fish, like they 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 just drink a lot. I d- I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's an assumption. Maybe they're not all like that. But certainly, the ones we met in Liverpool um, were quite heavy drinkers. Yeah, uh, which worked out great because we get to drink for free um but yeah no you you're right it it's, it's yeah. always a pleasure to talk to new people who have new ideas and and meet others in the profession um and in terms of just networking as well like as a student being able to go out in in whatever setting it, and meet people and talk to people and build those um consistent relationships because i i guess that's what networking is it's it's building mm. friendships and building relations um, and, yeah. and not doing it all because that person might give me a I job, think... but because they're, you're genuinely interested in who they are.
0: Yeah. It's, it is a weird one, isn't it? Because people can most definitely give you a job through these social events. But at the same time, it's also like, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you can approach someone and talk to them. But they might think you only want to speak to them because you might get a job out of it. And a lot of people do do that sort of aspect of it where you know they're like oh I can speak to this person get a job here and whatnot which I guess is the sort of the whole idea of networking but if you actually go in there with a sort of organic purpose and you think I want to go and just meet people and just talk to people and see what they're interested in see what types of architecture they like and who they work for and why they work for them I think you'll come away with a lot more of a holistic view of the actual architecture industry instead of just Diving straight in for that first job offer yeah, that, you get Yeah,
1: it's like when people connect with someone on LinkedIn and go, "Oh, that's my network." I'm networking. It's, it's not. It's not. You see these people with like twenty thousand links on on LinkedIn. You're like, well, it's it's just so superficial. It's just irrelevant. Um, yeah. Not to dig at anyone with twenty thousand followers on LinkedIn. It's quite a <laughs> like Yeah. But, um, like. Yeah.
0: You person with twenty k. What are
1: you doing with your life? no it yeah it is i think i think networking essentially is building friendships but just kind of in a professional manner um it's talking to people and Mm. it's i think i i spoke at an event a few days ago i was talking about networking um and i was kind of saying well it's not networking isn't meeting someone on one night and having a conversation it's meeting someone having a conversation and then meeting them again and having another conversation and then meeting them again and having another conversation to a point where you're you've built a foundation of relationship and the interest is not what can you benefit me? It's, or what can I benefit Mm. you? It's, it's just, I'm interested in what you do and and likewise. And I think, um, yeah, I I think it's important to build those relationships over a long time and not just meet someone in the pub and expect to be able to get a job.
2: Mm.
0: And I think as well, if you consider what you output, I think you attract those Mm. people. So, like, say, for example, this podcast, you know, I've um, put, like, say, two episodes out now, but the amount of people that I'm connecting with externally outside of the podcast who are interested in this same sort of stuff, where you've got filmmaking, a um, bit of architecture, a bit of, you know, this sort of architectural umbrella, there's so many people I've connected with who are like saying, oh, yeah, I'd love to come on the podcast and discuss, you know, what they're into and stuff. And I think in some aspects it is really good to just have a network of people that you can speak to and sort of even ask for help as yeah. well you know that's a massive advantage of it is you can ask them for help if you're stuck yeah. on a problem
1: yeah definitely like uh, having you know knowing graphic designers and, and artists and people who aren't even creatives it's just it's it's not not knowledge is never a bad thing and knowing people from other fields mm. is never a bad thing so yeah i guess expanding your umbrella. Um, is always a good thing and yeah being open to new ideas and new people and um yeah and then so say when you're like editing a video for example and you've got no idea what you're doing you can contact someone who who edits videos and you can say oh would you be able to help me out and yeah the benefits can of yeah building a large ranging network can can be the the very tangible benefits that you get later down the line yeah
0: well, it's like the crazy thing about Full Circle is that um, the initial sort of name and the idea, because I remember I was doing the original YouTube videos where I was doing like the reviews and the crits and, you know, discussing my work that I've done. And I was like, it's very internal basis. This is more sort of all about me and what I've done and how I can help students in that way. But then, you know, shout out to upstairs on YouTube. Um we actually got on a Google, uh, I think it's like Google Meet or something like that. I don't know what it's called. It's Google something. We're speaking and um, I pretty much said to him, you know, this is what I want to do. And I was saying, you know, I want to meet people and talk to people. And, you know, I sort of discussed this sort of full circle aspect where it was like, you know, you get someone on, you bring them in, you talk to them, speak to them and you'd sort of dive into their passion and you sort of understand their passion. And then you take it full circle where you're actually doing, say, a workshop with them or a um, I don't know, a tutorial or something along those lines where you fully understood their passion and then you've sort of completed it by actually understanding their passion fully. And it was really weird because that's sort of how this name sort of came to fruition was just off the back of that one um, sort of meeting with Oliver. And it was crazy because without that network there, then Full Circle might not have even been a thing. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> It's crazy when you look back and you think, wow, you know, the people you meet and everything and how they can influence your life going forward. Yeah, it's It's never something
1: you can foresee, can you? It's always something that you see in hindsight. Mm. It's when you look back and go, oh, you know, that person really changed my direction or something. Um, Which is why it's so Mm. important to, yeah, to um, have this kind of umbrella of, of people um because I think when you're like a like a solitary you know monolith of a person who goes through live coasting without talking to anyone you're you're very limited in your mindset
0: yeah yeah vision. yeah
1: and you and it's not your fault necessarily it's just because you just aren't aware of the other things that are going on around you so yeah I, mm. I guess um I mean you're a very prime case of talking to people and no and generating like (laughs) new ideas that you wouldn't necessarily have come up with on your own
0: Mm. it's yeah i think you've got to kind of if you feel like you're on that tunnel vision and you're sort of on that island by yourself i think it can be quite difficult to actually break that cycle and um because in a way you've sort of disconnected yourself from society from communities from people and it's quite hard to actually reconnect yourself and integrate yourself back into sort of society in a way through that aspect of just having a conversation and i think it is i wouldn't really know what to say i think you just have to just throw the boat out there i think if you find yourself stuck in your comfort zone then i think that's probably the worst case you can be and you know you need to expand your horizons you know it's like it's like you for example doing the barbican um trying to get onto that sort of platform with. Is it the board of directors at the Barbican uh, or something?
1: I think it was a, it was a board member of the Barbican, yeah, which I applied to. Oh.
0: Um, but it's like it's like doing things like that will put you on that platform to talk to people, on not it, and to move forward and to make these greater, bigger connections and access these bigger opportunities yeah. in life. Yeah,
1: I think the biggest thing for me was joining the um, Liverpool Architectural Society as a council member. Um, mm. so it was definitely eye-opening. You know, I definitely, like, recommend to people get involved with your local societies, wherever you are. There are definitely people and groups and organizations who are, you know, willing to do mm. stuff and get involved with that. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of eye-opening for me to see the people who were arranging these events and arranging, you know, lectures and building tours and stuff um, because that was just something mm. that I, I had always been a consumer in that sense. I was something, I was someone who attended the events, but it was new yeah. to be the one thinking about okay what events could we do how can we help people um this is an issue that our students Mm. are facing how can we target them to support them um so yeah yeah like so getting involved with that and speaking to the people who were organizing those events and meeting new people that was like really you know crazy because then and it's definitely um helped me with certain skills from kind of midway through third year until now so yeah I definitely gained a lot of, you know, skills with mm.
0: that. I think for me, a big one was those lecture series. Because I remember we'd always go down to like Reba North or wherever it was. And we'd, I think, like we did, the, as we said before, it was that like the Grimshaw one, the DRMM one. And it's really, I think the DRMM was, was quite important because it's all about it timber. The, and the the you know the people like...
1: exhibition, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was it. And we're and you go down there and um you know you know that the audience that that event is tailored to will all be interested in at least one area of Mm -hmm. the same thing, and sort of through that sort of if you imagine as a tree you've got the trunk which is all about sort of timber and fabricating and then you can sort of picture these little offsets of categories that other people might be interested in which you might not have even thought about, and in a sense going to these exhibitions and talking to people, you sort of Get a glimpse into these other sort of branches and these other areas that people are into, and then you never know—you might even be interested in it yourself, and you might build a connection through that sort yeah. of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's um, I think it's a bit of a skill. Well, certainly for me, I mean, oh, for me, <laughs> I, I found it quite hard to approach people and talk to people who I didn't already know. Um, and that was kind of one of the things I generated mm. in third year was being able to approach people and talk to people. Um, and, and again, that's kind of one of the things I learned as a you know, as part of a, the Liverpool Architectural Society. Um So, like going to, like, say, the Forest of uh, Fabrication event. Is that right? Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. I know for, for some people, it can be quite hard to go to those events and talk to people Um, because it's not like a natural skill. Which, because I think yeah, for definitely. you, that was something you you talking to people is quite a natural skill for you. Whereas for me, it was something I kind of had to acquire to learn how to talk to people and how to engage in in conversation um you know off the cuff kind of thing
0: Hmm. yeah yeah i think uh, with me it's like um i don't know i i I just like talking to people i think i think that's just literally (laughs) it is like you go into a room and you're like who can i talk to can i like just chat to and just see what they're into and you know but um I always remember going to, I think it was in Ireland, and I kissed the, you know, the Blarney Stone, and it's, like, meant to give you, like, the gift of the gab yeah. sort of thing. You ever no, heard of I that? haven't, no. The Blarney, yeah. So my auntie took us when we were about yeah. seven, right? And they, like, it's in, like, this castle, I think, and you have to, like, kiss this sort of, this special stone, it gives you, like, the gift of, like, charisma right. or something like that. Um, not that I'm attributing <laughs> that to anything but um, that's always, whenever someone says something like that, that's what I always think back to first is because this tour guide was literally like, oh you'll get this gift of charisma and all this stuff yeah, so and all that right, turn? okay I'm just going yeah, to uh... need to <laughs> <laughs> You just get first flight yeah. out to Ireland
1: <laughs> Yeah, take it take yeah, chips and sell about. out on eBay for a few grand apiece <laughs> yeah.
0: I think a really good one that we went to was actually the remember the reba one day design um, charrette. competition yeah. yeah that was really good because that was everyone from our uni wasn't it um, yeah so you literally just get yeah so little. it
1: was um so they were looking to redesign an area of uh greater liverpool um and it was a design charrette. so there were you know lots of different firms involved i think uh simpson Howe were involved in Morrison company um, and then the students at Liverpool University and Liverpool John Moores were involved which was you know great to take part in that kind of thing mm-hmm. um, and yeah so th- this idea of okay design a project in one day um, that, was, that was just an amazing experience great workshop to do it, like to generate ideas and groups and see what yeah. everyone else was thinking and and real kind of on the spot quick deadlines quick decisions kind of thing yeah. Yeah, I wish there was more of those.
0: It was, that was really interesting because it was like people, you could see, like, there's two things, isn't there? One, I think in uni, there is a massive disconnect between years. So, like, you wouldn't really discuss anything, would you, between, say, first year, second year, third year, apart from that one meeting that we went to maybe like once a month where you're in a room oh, right, with everyone right, 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 right. Uh, from like yeah. your peer class or whatever. And I think that was really interesting because. The way we tackled it, where we were like trying to maximise our output by doing three areas, which just completely backfired on us because none of them tied in with each other. The Say like the first years, focused on one area in particular and really nailed that design, didn't we? Didn't they even? And it was just really interesting to see how different people target different areas of the same site, but all come up with different ideas. Yeah,
1: well, we all have our different priorities, don't we? Um, And I think when you're, say, a first year compared to, say, a third year or a fifth year, um, you have very Mm. different, um, you know, places of attention. So when you come in in first year, Mm. you don't necessarily know a lot about architecture. And so you might be entirely concerned with the exterior of the building, you know, big sweeping motions or kind of statement uh, form. Whereas, mm. say, as a third year, you might be more concerned about, say, um, the qualities of space and the internals and, and things like that. And then, say, <laughs> you might get on to fifth year and you might be um, so much more concerned about how the thing works. Um, so I think just in terms of yeah. where you are in your education, you, you have these different, like, what you're, and I, I think that kind of, when we did the design charrette, um, I think that was interesting to see how the first years were thinking about the the spaces compared to us compared to say fifth years though i think Mm. we just had a poor design
0: which is why we lost yeah i mean i i literally i don't even know what we were doing to be honest (laughs) like i'll do this area you do this area you do this area and then we had like what was it the last two hours to sort of stitch them all together and we're waiting on like renders and whatnot and it was just like oh my god what have we done and then we had to present it and it was just like (laughs) <laughs> it literally went just downhill I thought, I thought the
1: presentation was fine but it's, it's always good to fail I mean failures are never if you learn from your failures yeah. then it's never a bad thing and and I think I learned a lot from yeah. that design charrette and kind of seeing what everyone else had done and going oh my god mine is just awful um, yeah because you'll never make those mistakes again mm.
0: the funniest bit was the funniest bit was the votes at the end <laughs> liked, just like were we bottom or something we were, I don't even we remember were, now
1: we were last I think that yeah. was a little bit of, of that was my so fault. Funny, I did though. get a little bit overzealous and started shouting at... <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do remember that as well. So we'll put that lost on to I don't you.
1: regret anything. <laughs> I'm a passionate person and I was fighting for... Yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> that was funny, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you do you think you'd ever like to be um, a teacher in university?
1: Uh... I don't think I don't think I could be a full time tutor. Um I'd say mm. I'm definitely I'd like to be a practitioner, um, and I'd like to be kind of hands on and doing stuff. Though I, I do quite like I guess I like teaching. The kind of the limited experience I've had of it and speaking at events and talking to part ones, um, I, I've quite enjoyed. Um, which you know, is new to me. Mm. Um so who knows? Who knows? Maybe it might do a little bit of the side. I, I don't know. Um, I think I'd be quite reluctant in terms of uh, do I really know enough about the field to justify me teaching someone? I think that would kind of be in the back of my mind.
0: Like a sort of imposter syndrome?
1: Almost. Yeah, I, I guess so. But maybe not imposter, just in, in terms of...
0: Just an under yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, because... Yeah i don't know maybe it's just me maybe it's just as a as a part one i feel like i don't really know that much but um yeah i i guess imposter syndrome is the best way to put it like do i am i really that knowledgeable and considered that much of a academic to be able to then offer people advice and teach architecture like that is such
2: Mm.
1: you know architects the tutors are shaping the architects of tomorrow they are, you know, they're shaping the next Chipperfields yeah, and Zahas and, and Fosters and whoever. And that is a that's a scary idea, you know, and you as a tutor, it must be.
0: It is, um do think.
1: Yeah, something that you have to consider that the person sitting in front of you, the student who needs that guidance might go on to do something great. And you're very much in, in control, but in a position of responsibility to guide them towards being the best that they can be. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'll stick to doing buildings.
0: Yeah, when you think about it like that, you are literally shaping the world. <laughs> <aren't> you? <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh uh, yeah, yeah, thought no, about I'll it. Uh, I'll no, nah, take it back.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when you think about it like that, though, shaping the architects of tomorrow. You know, it's a, it is a big, massive responsibility at yeah. the end of the day. Um, and
1: and certainly the uh, the ideas of you know the next generation of architecture might be something that is just completely ridiculous at this time because say we don't have you know the technology mm. to implement it or whatever take say take, say uh, parametricism for example um you know 30 years ago 20 yeah. years ago that was something that conceptually is you know quite nice but you know could you build it no not really um but kind of now that has become something that mm. can be implemented and and i think is quite common now because suddenly we have the technology and the tools to be able to cheaply
2: Mm.
1: not cheaply but we can make those buildings now um so that's to say (laughs) that maybe ideas that are being put forward now might seem completely ridiculous but 20 years 30 years time they might be feasible
0: isn't there something like it's take it's there's a five-year separation between what's been taught in university to what's been taught in industry Or is there some sort of window like that in terms of technology and what we're learning now?
1: Probably. But then I I always think, I did a uh, a week week of work experience at Grimshaw uh, in Mm. 2017. Um, Yeah, and so I was was with the transport team and they were working on a um, uh, train station, um, quite a large train station. Um, And then I, I said to them, you know, how long would it take for this to be built you know start to finish and they said well you know around 15 20 years and that to me was that mm. kind of got me thinking because Mad. think about the buildings that we are seeing today you know the buildings that are winning the sterling awards and and whatever how long ago were they conceived
0: mm.
1: how long ago were they thought up and designed
0: yeah, yeah. That's true. So,
1: so this this lag this, there must be a bit of a lag between buildings when they're designed and when they're built and when they are exposed to the world, and their ideas have become. Oh, well, look at these new ideas! Well, that was five years ago.
0: That must be a really difficult thing to nail, because I mean, especially if you've got, say, a brand new train station that takes twenty years to build. In twenty years' time, you could have, like, say, a, a teleport or something. Do you know what I mean? Some new tech could I'm come not out that sure like completely.
1: But I think I see what you mean.
0: It <laughs> so, could completely eradicate <laughs> train stations. And it's you're spending twenty years to build a train station that, you know, might be made redundant in say yeah. five well, years. Suppose
1: some of those twenty years are a bit of bureaucracy and, and you know, working with government and, and whatnot. But um yeah, definitely. I think to come up with contemporary ideas in five years time, mm. ten years time after that building is built, those ideas might not be as, as contemporary as they once were a decade beforehand.
0: Well, I mean, if you imagine, say, for example, like a stadium mm-hmm. that's being built, and then you have COVID, yeah. it's like there's no way you could predict yeah, how that how COVID would influence the yeah. stadium, for example. So the stadium's still being built exactly the same, but you know it's still not going to be used for its full purpose mm-hmm. just due to COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even even certain that... advances advances in uh, materials, for example. So like, say, if you did um, let's say you did an art gallery. And you did it out of a certain mm. concrete or something, I don't know, and then say uh there are advances in, you know, the making of concrete and suddenly we can get a much more environmentally sustainable and renewable concrete that has the same structural performance, you know, mm. and, and that might come out say a month after the building is finished. So yeah, it's
0: <laughs> Yeah, you could definitely see something yeah, like that happening.
1: I guess it's just the advancement of
0: as a kind of, the advancement the of time.
1: You can't really um can't really do anything about it i guess when you are coming up with ideas and you're producing buildings i suppose the hardest part is thinking not is this right for now it's thinking ahead in the future trying to come up with ideas that will be suited to tomorrow not today as cliche as that sounds
0: hmm. yes yeah, it is really it's kind of like it we're just we're just like sort of future proof in this this podcast episode at the moment, because we've talked about um, architects being the, being shaped mm-hmm. for tomorrow, you know, materials being shaped for tomorrow. It's crazy. When you think about architecture as this thing is building the world of tomorrow, you know, and all the new technology and structures that come out. And I mean, even if you imagine, say, if we ever end up going to Mars or whatnot, and the materials that could be brought back down to earth, it'll just completely change everything, won't it? You never really know what's, how something being built today will look in 20 years time if new technology and new um materials yeah exactly
1: and um i think it's the same with design as well say if um i'm just trying to think of a a new building that's uh kind of come about quite recently um can't really think of any okay well (laughs) let's say uh let's say like a foster building you know just released shared instagram Mm. it's one of the you know the new apple buildings uh, or something they do something fancy with glass mm. or steel and you're like wow that's amazing I'm going to take inspiration from that and put that into my design I'm going to do this you know library or something that has kind of this that kind of aesthetic that Foster has done now I'm going to you know, do that incorporate that by the time it gets built mm. someone's going to be looking at that and go oh well that's really old Foster did that like you know 10 years ago isn't it yeah, yeah. that's just that's just crazy I think
0: but then a contrast to that is if you imagine Mies's work Back in the day, when he built like the Seagram yeah. building, compared to now, people see that as like a uh, you know, one of the best pieces of work in the world, in a way. And that was sort of way before its time. So, I think you'll still get these little independent, one off buildings way- that are way ahead of its time,
1: yeah. Though, um, I mean, I know some of the kind of the great modernist buildings, you know, of Corbusier and stuff, they some of them would became mm. quite run down, and.
0: Yeah, and they had a lot well, of failures. Yeah, just didn't because they?
1: they were like, oh, it's, you know, it's Kabuzia, it's old. No, no one really cares about that. It's only after a certain amount of time, extra passes, that we then remember them for what they, you know, the great buildings that they were. It's kind of like classic cars. Car comes out, it's amazing, it's great, it starts to get old, and then it hits like twenty year point where it's just hmm. it's just an old car. And then after that twenty years it starts to it's just an, <laughs> it's old, just car. an old car. Like after another twenty years, it starts to the value starts to go up and suddenly it becomes a piece of classic design that you know shapes a, a generation of cars and I think it's the same with buildings yeah so with the modernist buildings
0: so do, do you think then in that sense that it's been romanticized what has the buildings
1: all uh, uh, buildings or like
0: Well, no, but like, say the Seagram building, that had a lot, I'm pretty sure that had a lot of internal problems with like ventilation and the technology didn't really keep up with the actual building itself. So do you think in that sense, people have romanticized Mies and his buildings that he built back then? And in comparison today, it wouldn't work.
1: Um, In terms of, I don't I I I, I don't think I know enough about Mies to make a uh, justifiable comment. But what I would say is that his work was very much contrasting what was done at the time. I mean, if you think about rationalism and kind of the, you know, brick mm. country house and you know, a Pavilion is, is kind of a, the common one. But um, the, Fons- is it Farnsworth House? Yeah, Farnsworth House. Yep. His His work at the time is just, was incredibly different to kind of the, Uh, the neoclassical architecture that was being produced kind of like 20, 30 years earlier, the the more classical, neo-Gothic, that kind of architecture. Um, And so Mm. I guess we're not romanticizing the buildings produced by Mies. we're recognizing actually the importance that his buildings had because the modernism was Mm. a dogma. It was, these are the rules that you abide by. These are because we are anti what came before us. Um, And so I I think it's paying respect to the change in direction architecture made at that time. So I don't think it's unnecessary subjective romanticism. Mm. I think it's just his work was important. It changed our direction and we should respect that.
0: Yeah, because it's well, I guess in in some sense, it's like Leo, Cabousia, your Mise van der Rohe. They were sort of the star architects of the early days, weren't they? And then you come to sort of today, you've got your Rem Koolhaas and your um, Zaha Deed, um, you know, all like RSHP, Foster's, all these sort of star architects now are sort of, it's generally sort of going to come into a new era, isn't it? Where you've got these new people coming up. Well, it is.
1: I mean, um, Rogers has retired. Um, Zaha passed away Mm. some years ago. Um, I think Chipperfield runs a bar in Spain. Um, And Yeah, and I'm I'm not even sure kind of how hands-on Foster is with his company. I mean, if if I was kind of Foster's age, I'd want to kind of chill out in in the Swiss Alps,
0: in yeah. his French chateau. Um,
1: so I guess the you know the new generation of star architects and and people who are making a names for themselves. I guess they will be coming to the light now, and we'll start to see them coming through. we probably have mm. seen them. We just don't know for the architects that they will be yet if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because st- they're still being shaped, aren't they, for the, you know, for the, the stage oh, in a way. Potentially, they haven't. Yeah, just they haven't one had their, um,
1: their masterpiece yeah. yeah their moment exactly. yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. Which is, that's quite interesting in itself, isn't it? If you imagine the new people coming up who potentially will win Serpentine mm. Awards and what in the future. You know, all these new architects. And um, I think in the AJ100, they had was it the top 10 um, outbreaks or something or outbreakers or disruptors or something like that? We were all the new practices They they have the
1: 40 under 40 and I know they have the rising, I think RIBA have rising stars. So I think there's, yeah, there's a number of, of, Hmm. you know, articles and foundations where they're, they're kind of showing the spotlight on um, new and upcoming people. That's Yeah.
0: And I think what's cool as well is that we actually saw, I think it was the our national rail competition. We noticed that a lot of the actual bigger practices were all trying to get involved in that, weren't they? I think it was Grimshaw in it as, at one point, as I remember.
1: Um, really? I'm not too sure. I can't remember, actually. I think... Because
0: um... it was a lot of the transport people wasn't it that were generally entering into that yeah. competition. So the
1: competition was to um, redesign um the nation's train stations um kind of all over it was about producing kind of a, a flexible design ish that could kind of mm. um adapt to each location that uh it might go into. So certainly a lot of the I would imagine that a lot of the practises who had previously done a lot of transport work would have um, applied to take part and likewise a lot of independent architects, a lot of uh, smaller practices would have all taken part yeah
0: uh, for some reason I've got like Grimshaw and Wilkinson uh, in my head for that project I'm I, not I too they sure why
1: I'm not sure whether they took part in that one, there was an architect I did know someone, I think it was 3D Reed maybe took part for definite, I'm not too sure I can't remember really, it was mm. such a long time ago six months
0: I, I I really like that um, project though because I think our it was CLT or was it glue Uh I think it was glue it? I think it was it? kind of
1: anything really. Yeah, I, I think it was just <laughs> this idea of luck. Like, timber's a great material. It looks great. It's something that can be um, you know prefabricated, delivered to site, installed by hand. Something that is and when it goes into disrepair, it can be easily replaced. Um, and I think it was it was nice for me because I hadn't really looked at timber before. Um, And the, yeah, yeah, I guess the project was just kind of showcasing timber and the possibilities we could do and, and getting some really nice form that could be pragmatic in serving Mm. as a train station and serving as a shelter, um, but also being highly sustainable and renewable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was just, because I remember we did that project straight off the back of when I did the corking workshop, didn't we? So I was all mad obsessed about timber and then you came around, didn't you, before COVID and we just spent that whole day or whole two days just mapping it out and then we did that full project for it and then we actually measured it out in my garden, didn't we? The actual square 90 square metres
1: sounded like a lot at the time. Um
0: and we designed that massive yeah, building, and then we we're like, oh, wait, we can't actually Houston do it. designed a Houston
1: slash Heathrow kind of crazy international station serving the world. And it, it was just, it, it was actually a cabin, <laughs> wasn't it, really, that they were looking
0: for? Yeah, it was so uh, small.
1: Yeah, considering I'm, I mean, I'm working, the building I'm working on now is, well, the building I'm leading the design on is 1,000 square meters. And I think that's kind of small. So I mm. realize how small 90 square meters actually is um
0: it was yeah tiny. it
1: was a good project though
0: i don't even remember if we actually if we scaled it down did we or did we just submit it as i
1: think we
0: because it's 90 to 360 isn't
1: it i'm not actually sure where the 360 came from oh no no sorry it, it was, maybe it was we just assumed <laughs> square meters to 360 so we did three different versions yeah And our smallest version which was 90 square meters we didn't realize how small it was so actually yeah i think we did it around 360 square meters um yeah, I, uh, I thought it was a nice. project.
0: But yeah, I think that that project for like a think tank was really good. I think, you know, I like I definitely like to do another one of them, but actually do show our three variations of form yeah. and because I mean considering we came up with all that in what like two oh, days, it was
1: a few days. I I think we did we gestated it for some time, but um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a new experience working on competitions, isn't it? Compared to the stuff that you do at mm. uni, because it is so. Um, your your guidance is limited and so you're very much you take control of it um and you i think you tend to do it a lot quicker you tend to make decisions a lot faster um yeah i think personally mm. my favorite competition we did was the uh meditation cabin that we did a few months earlier
0: oh the um the twilight uh portugal was, one, i don't know where the twilight thing comes <laughs> from.
1: i did one visual
0: so yeah, so for those of you that don't know, me and Sam entered a competition which was in Vale de Moses in Portugal, which was a meditation it was a, cabin was to be
1: stored in a meditation retreat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so the, the the landscape is all like foresty and it's like really sunny buildings. And <laughs> Sam did a render for it where it literally looked like the the forest cabin out of Twilight It was wasn't a
1: it? gorgeous visual. <laughs> I mean, like. The, it was
0: a good visual it just didn't look like no, it was in but portugal it, it's
1: not about where it, we were just trying to sell an idea it was yeah it was brought up in my interview uh for scott brown and they really both of them really liked the image so yeah it is a good
0: image i'll give you that yeah. it is a really the really strong was, image
1: was that the cabin was raised off the ground it was a space for um mm. aromatherapy and massage treatments and yoga and just uh, meditation um, in a in a number of formats and so the point was that the building was raised up almost in the tree line um, so that you experienced the uh, the nature whether it's the, you know the wind or the, the smell of pine trees or whatever kind of
0: hmm.
1: permeating into the cabin
0: um, yeah it creates an aroma around yeah. itself and I it? think
1: the visual was key in showing um, that cabin kind of energy I hope you can show this on the video uh, because otherwise, this is just going to sound completely. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> see if it holds up to uh, people's critique.
0: That I remember the facade we did for that. That was uh, that was a really nice facade because it granted privacy, but you could still get the breeze and the smells coming through. And yeah, yeah so that was so a good it project. Was, that was.
1: Um, it was to maintain that privacy because because the, the issue was is how do you um, how do you keep um, a meditative if that's a word um a, a space of meditation how do you retain the privacy that you kind of need for those spaces um the, the privacy you would mm. need for kind of aromatherapy and, and massage therapy um how do you keep that but also allow uh sight lines and allow people to reconnect with nature visually but also through sensation um and so kind of the fins that we had that were along the facade meant that when you were at the ground level, you looked up and you mm. couldn't see into the cabin. But once you're inside, you can look out and you see these slits of, of the trees around you and, and the wind is allowed to permeate. I, I Yeah, I th- I think that's probably that's one of my favourite projects I've done. Um, I would like to build that at some point. Definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to I'm just going to pause there just because my camera is yeah. about to run out one sec. So yeah, what would you like to do more again? More than the meditation cabins again?
1: Uh, I'd like to build the meditation cabin because I think it's something I could feasibly build. It would just be getting... I think really I would need to get planning permission for it because I'd have to dig foundations. Um, and also I'd need the land to build it on mm. and I would need funding to actually get the material. And the design doesn't <laughs> really fit in considering it was designed for a Portuguese climate with minimal rain compared mm. to our climate. Um so there are a few teething problems, but I genuinely I, I would really like to build that. I think mm. it'd be really it'd be really fun to build. It would be really educating. Um and I don't we think just... materials would cost that much either.
0: No. I think we could definitely build it just one summer. Yeah
1: but where would we build it?
0: And just like just find a bit <laughs> of land in like greenfield okay. site or something in the middle of nowhere, and just just build That'll it.
1: That will go down well. I, I'll let you leave that then.
0: But then, yeah, and it's like the only thing is, is what do we do with it after it's been built? <laughs> do we just leave it like to sit there and just? Well, like, oh, the concern
1: well. is is that it falls down and hurts someone, and then we would be um, liable. So maybe we shouldn't do this hmm. at all.
0: Maybe we could build it though and rent it out to like a masseuse or like an aromatherapist or, you know. Okay. Could be a little I, side you know what? I'm gonna let, for... I'm gonna <laughs> leave
1: this to you. You take. I wash my hands with this. This is all yours. You you run with it. Yeah.
0: See, and then and then we come back and I've built it and I've rented it out and you're like, oh, can I <laughs> can I get on that?
1: <laughs> I'll build my own somewhere else.
0: You'd be like, remember when we when we designed <laughs> that together? Can you can you know? You <laughs> get mean on yeah, that. I don't know. I think we should definitely do more competitions, though. I think it's because it's it's a good mix, isn't it, between uni and work? Yeah, I feel you've
1: got the space um, to um, come up with interesting ideas, and the briefs are generally a little uh, quite loose, I think. So you can come up, and I, I suppose mm. if you're looking at it as this isn't going to get built. I'm just going to come up with whatever I think is best. You're kind of then a little looser to your design proposals. There might be a little bit more experimental or use material mm. which you're you're not too familiar with. So, yeah, in that sense, I think competitions are really good to do. And oh yeah, I think I would like to do more. I guess it's just the time to uh, actually spend on them, um, which can yeah. be it can be hard to finish work and then and then do your own private projects.
0: Oh and mm-hmm. yeah. And get the yeah. motivation to do it. I tell I tell you what then. Why don't we in the next? I'm sure you're going to be on another podcast episode. But in the next episode, why don't we mm-hmm. get a brief and see if we can design it within the podcast episode and see okay. how far we get.
1: Okay, that sounds good. A bit worried, but um, yeah, no, be <laughs> fine. I get my uh, sketchbook at the ready. Yeah, I should be able to churn someone through yeah. some ideas quite quickly. Fingers crossed.
0: Mm. Hope, hopefully, it'll be. Well, if COVID's not around for too much longer, then we can do a proper setup and get it going. Get a full project yeah. brief. Who
1: knows when that'll be? Maybe this summer. Maybe four yeah. years from now. No, no we don't know, do we? But yeah, no, that sounds like a really good idea. Um, I think it'd be really fun to do. Really interesting. Um, yeah, maybe not a massive brief. Don't, don't come at me with design no. this. You know, a million <laughs> square foot library. Design London <laughs> in
0: 2030. Yeah, no. And then what we can do as well is then promote that to our listeners and see what they come back with Absolutely. and compare and see, see, you know, I think that'd be really interesting. It'd be like one hour maximum to come up with a concept design for a brief, well, not from a brief, but, um, you know, come up with your own idea from the brief and then, you can do. We'll do like a full review video after. And we'll demonstrate who's done what and whatnot. I think that'll be really good.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Slightly worried. But yeah, Sweet. looking forward to it. <laughs> Should be good.
0: And on that note, I believe that is the end of today's podcast. So thank you very much for joining me today, Sam. I know you've been thank busy. Thank you for um, having me. But, um, Always be a pleasure. Yeah, I do. I do appreciate it. And As always, we will see you in the next Full Circle Podcast episode. So, bye-bye.